Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Just a little bit of background for Danielle and I. So I've got a business background. I did a business degree years ago, marketing, accounting, and been involved in small business ever since. Still have a business that runs uh, with a general manager, and we manufacture and send products around Australia and overseas. And that, that's kind of a passion of mine. Uh, Danielle used to be a nurse. Uh, she was a midwife. That means she had a deliverance ministry, which is... That's four more laughs in the first service. Okay, we're, we're getting there. By the, by the end of this week, we'll be all good. No, so she's, she's been in that, that zone, and together in 2000, we became the, the senior pastors of our church on the Sunshine Coast, uh, uh, another center of the universe, just a th- different style of center of the universe. Same sun shining, just seems to shine a little harsher where we live. Uh, we've got three kids, Jackson, who's 20, Mitchell, who's 18, and Gemma, who's 15, and uh, they're at home, hopefully looking after our dog and cats, uh, doing a good job job of that. And so it's, it's really a privilege for us. We love being pastors. We love the local church. We love C3. C3 is, is our family. We love the, the sense of freedom and, and joy and fun that we have, loving the Holy Spirit and, and really but being focused on people on the walls, the, the people beyond the walls of our church. And I know that's your focus here today. And it's a great joy for me to speak into your vision builders week two. The reason I'm excited about speaking into vision builders is it's twofold. One, I love when people buy into the vision of a church. We all need to have a vision that's larger than our own life, that's bigger than our own world. Otherwise, the spirit of this world, which is, which is um, self-focused, will consume us and, and we'll give a token sort of attendance to church every now and then, but it won't be, uh, be planted in church. It won't be a big part of our life and then we'll miss out on the destiny God's got for us. So, so being invested in vision builders just in your heart is one of the reasons I love uh, speaking on this topic. And the second is I love giving people a revelation of God's idea of money and finances and giving. Because I watch when the lights go on, it sets people free and it takes them into a much larger place of living their life. And I'm, I'm an example of that. And so really, uh, for me, that, that, you know, as I've kind of traveled around church over the years, I've seen different ways of, of people coming up with great ideas to try and raise money. People are like, oh, we'll give a portion. If everyone signs up to the insurance, we'll give a portion. It's like, that doesn't work. God's way is giving. Although I did hear of, of one church years ago, and this kind of amuses me, uh, of a, a pastor who came up with a great idea for their church, okay? And they, it was hymns. Remember back in the day we used to sing hymns? pastor came up with this great idea. Uh, if someone gives $1,000, they get to choose a hymn next week. Like, genius. Isn't that a guy? Um, you thought you should have thought of that, Paul, right? What's anyway, so this lady walks into church. It's her first time. She's a little a bit of an older lady. She's never been there before. She hears this, and she walks up to the pastor and says, so if I give $1,000, I get to choose a hymn? And he goes, absolutely. She pulls out a purse, reaches in, grabs a big wad of rolled up cash, says, here's $4,000. That's four hymns, right? And he goes, whoa, yeah, absolutely. And she goes, awesome. I'll have him, 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 and him. And he's like, oh, okay, not quite the way it worked. God's way of, of financing the kingdom is giving, okay? And that's why the devil attacks so much of our thinking around finances. And so I found uh, being growing up in church and helping people with finances as a pastor for almost 20 years, that there are three kind of prevailing mindsets that people have around money, okay? The first is what I would call the mindset of the world. The mindset of the world is that money is your security, 
you need to have money in the bank for a rainy day, for retirement in case this, this happens and that happens, because if you've got enough money, you'll be secure. And then that, that mindset also says that money is your source of pleasure. So if you've got money, you can have fun, you can, do, you can live the life the way you want to live, and it, it, will, it will be your source of pleasure. And then the third part of that mindset is that if you've got money, it will create your identity. Because you'll get to drive a certain type of car, you'll get to live in a certain type of house in a certain area, and go on a certain type of holidays, and, and have this much money in the bank, and all of those things. And while money in itself is not inherently evil, behind that thinking of the world is a mindset, it's called the spirit of mammon, behind that mindset is a spirit that, that actually tries to make you feel like, oh, if I don't have all of that, then I can't be secure, I can't have fun, I can't have pleasure. But the, the opposite of it is true. Because God's supposed to be the center of your identity, who he says you are. God is the source of all pleasure in life. And it's a counterfeit to think that money is the source of all pleasure. And God is your security. I would rather have God on my side than, than literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank because God is the one who gives me secure security about my future. That's the mindset of the world. Now, the problem with that is if you ask someone who's living in that, that dominant thinking, how much money do you need to be secure, to, to have a bit more fun, most of them are going to answer this, just a bit more. If I can just get, uh, uh, you might be a billionaire if you got enough. No, 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 I just need a bit more. And it's an unlimited, insatiable appetite because behind it's a spirit driving people the wrong way. The consequence of that in people's lives or the fruit of this mindset is people are driven by greed and that's, that's part of their world. And then also there's, they're dominated by anxiety. There's a fear that goes when you see money as, your, as the answer to all your problems. And so that's one particular mindset that Jesus confronted. That's why he met a rich young ruler. And the, and the guy said, what do I need to do? And he said, I can see you're dominated by money. I can see your security and identity is in money. He said, give it all away and then come and follow me. He's actually calling him to be a leader, one of the, part of his discipleship crew. And the young man couldn't do it because he didn't just have money. Money had him. And it was controlling his life. And Jesus wants to get us free from money controlling our life. Okay, so that's one mindset. The other mindset is what I would call a religious mindset. And if you've grown up in church, maybe, or if you've grown up around church, you can get this idea behind the, the, the thinking of it. And it's, it goes like this. Well, money's actually evil. Money's evil. Uh, money, because Jesus told that young guy to give everything away, he therefore wants everybody to give everything away and nobody to have anything. But that's not what he actually said. He said, come and follow me. And, I'll, and he went and told the disciples, I'll multiply everything you've given away back into your life straight after that story. So the, the religious mindset is money is evil. Uh, therefore, anyone who's got money uh, is actually against God's will or anyone who's got some sort of wealth. And then the idea behind it is a Christian can't actually be wealthy. That's the religious mindset. Now, I grew up with that kind of mindset. I grew up in Uniting Church. My parents had been missionaries. They didn't have a problem being generous. But, but seeped into my subconscious was this idea that not the love of money was the root of all kinds of evil, but that money itself was the root of all evil. And here, that, that's the difference. The love of money, that's materialism, is the root of all kinds of evil, but money is amoral. 
Money isn't wrong or right. God created it as a tool. Money is a terrible master, but it's a great servant to be used. And so the, the idea of religious thinking, and Paul, Paul nails this when he says, oh, some people think that you'll be more religious if you don't eat certain kinds of food. Some people think you'll be more religious if you abstain from sex. Some people think you'll be more religious. And he, you know what he calls it in Timothy? He calls it a doctrine of demons making us think that we can be more holy by what we abstain from, but that's actually not Bible. It's not the truth. Now, here's the problem. The fruit of this kind of mindset that seeps into many Christians over, over time, the fruit of it is this. If I have any money, I, or if I have anything good happen to me financially, I feel guilty about it. I can't actually enjoy it. Paul writes to, the, to, to, to Timothy and says, tell the people who are rich in your church... So there's rich people in the church. He says, tell the people who are rich in your church not to put their trust in money, but to put their trust in God who gives you th all things to enjoy. So God gives us stuff to enjoy because he is El, he is El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. He's not the divine wet blanket. He actually, as a father, wants to bless you, okay? But the religious mindset makes us feel guilty about that. I, I've got friends who have grown up in that sort of a setting, and one of my friends bought a brand new stereo, bought it home to play music, and he felt so guilty for having a new thing in his house, he had to take it back. I've known Christian women who, who've bought new dresses and never been able to wear them because they would feel guilty wearing a brand new dress. Some of you are like, my wife doesn't have that problem. Don't worry about that. That's okay. That's a whole other issue. All right, Mo moving on. So that's guilt. But then the second part of that is judgment. And judgment is judging anybody who's, who's a Christian and has been blessed by God. And, and actually we end up saying, well, that's wrong. They've obviously got an attitude problem because they're being blessed. That's not right. That's, that's what they said when the woman gave an smashed an alabaster jar over Jesus' feet and gave a year's worth of wages in an extravagant offering to him. And the religious people said, that's terrible. You should have sold that and given it to the poor. That's a religious mindset. Extravagance in worship or in building the church or anything is wrong, let's just go with a minimalistic approach. That's the doctrine of demons. And so I remember a moment when a, a pastor visited our church when a, about 20-something years ago, and he drove a brand new four-wheel drive. And I just had internal kittens. I'm just like, how can he be a pastor and, uh, and know that there's poor people in the world and, and drive a brand new four-wheel drive? Doesn't he realize that, that, that poverty is next to godliness? That was my mindset. And then I joined C3. And then I began to hear Pastor Phil Pringle talk about finances and giving and God's will for your life. And it made me realize I need to get to the Bible and do my own research because what I've grown up with was never based on quoting the Bible. It was never based on Scripture. It was a couple of Scriptures taken out of context. So I need to read the whole Bible and get some ideas. And so I did what I remember doing. And, uh, you know, I was probably in my early 20s, and I got an exercise book, and I decided I need to start to read the Bible. What I'm going to do, in the front, I'll write down every Scripture that says God wants me to be blessed and prosperous. And in the middle, now in the back of the book, I'll write down every Scripture that says God wants me to be poor and not have anything. And in the middle, I'll write down scriptures where God is ambivalent about that, whether he wants which one or the other. So this is what I found. Zero scriptures saying God wants me to be poor. Zero. I found stacks of scriptures 
where it talked about God being a good father, wanting to bless me, wanting me to prosper, be in good health. Uh, scripture after scripture I found about that. Uh, and, and then in the middle, I found all these scriptures that said, uh, don't put your trust in money, put your trust in God. Be prepared to give money when God asks for it, but just don't put your identity or confidence in it. And I realized the kingdom mindset is our Father wants to bless us because He loves us as His children. When we get aligned to, build, to His purpose, when we're seeking first the kingdom, He wants to add all these things to us. In fact, Psalm 35, 27 says, if you favor the righteous cause of God, that He delights in your prosperity. So if your heart's right, God actually delights in prospering your world because it was known throughout all of the Bible that the, the people who followed Jehovah Jireh, his name, I am your provider, his very nature, the people who followed God, part of the sign of blessing was wealth got added to their lives. That's, that was a sign. I realized I've got a long way to go to unscrew the mindset that tells me that poverty is next to godliness and actually realign my thinking to what God says. And so I've, I've been on that journey for 20 years, and I've realized this, that, that if, I, if I can't give something, it's got a hold of me. That's the spirit of mammon. That's the spirit of this world. My, I, if God says, hey, I, I blessed you with that season, but I want you to give it away. And if I can't, it's controlling me. And then if, I, if God wants to bless me with something and I can't enjoy it, then I've got a wrong mindset there as well. And I need to get into a place where I let my Father in heaven bless me. I, I worked out this, that one of the best ways to help the poor is to not be one of them. Because poverty is actually a curse. And God's called his believers to get the wealth of the wicked into their hands so that we can distribute it and meet the needs of people in this world and see this world come to Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the mindset that I've learned. Can, can someone give the Lord a clap right now if you're agreeing? All right. So I want to share just really out of that two key thoughts that relate to your vision builders. You're in a season this month where your pastors are casting vision for the future. Uh, and they've been doing that for many, many years. And as you've done that as a church, you're enjoying the fruit of that right now. And I want to I uh, help you. I'm not here to cast vision. I'm here to help you understand kingdom principles. And there's just really two thoughts. Um, there's so many thoughts behind getting your head around kingdom uh, finances. But I want two thoughts to, to get clear for us here today. And the first is this. Your giving is seed. Your giving is is seed. Outside of church, you've got your money, it comes into you, you can invest it, you can, you can pay expenses, your rent, all these different things, and so it's, it's a tool for exchange for the things that you need. But when you come into the house of God, your money becomes seed. And as you sow your money, as you give your money, you're sowing it in the spirit realm for God to take a hold of and to multiply back into your life. Now, the first thing to understand is your tithe is not seed. Your tithe belongs to God. Your tithe is the first tenth of all of the income that comes into your life. So when you, when you bring, the Bible doesn't say give your tithe. It says bring your tithe. Because the tithe, all that we have belongs to God. But the first tenth, he says, I want you to set that aside because that's holy. That's how I'll fund the, 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 the priests and the ministry of the house of God. Not the vision, but the priests and the ministry of the house of God. So when you bring your tithe to church, uh, to, to God, he doesn't go, oh, brilliant, you guys are so generous. He goes, of course, because it's mine. I know, sorry to be harsh here this morning. Uh, it would be a little bit like if you're renting your house, going down to the real estate office and go, Great news for you guys, I bought my rent. I'm feeling so generous this week. 
here's my rent. Can we just have a little party for my generous heart? And they're going to go, you idiot. No, that's, not, you, you, that's, that's just the price of using the house. That's not a generous moment. That's a, and when you, uh, just, I know, it's getting quiet in here. And when you bring your tithe into the house, it's not a generous moment. It's a stewardship moment. Everything that I have belongs to God, and so I'm bringing my tithe to His house because that gets His protection over my finances and unlocks provision into my world. But then there's another thing that is seed. So your tithe's not seed, but your giving is seed. When you sponsor a compassion child, when you, when you give to projects, when you give into vision builders, it becomes seed. And the apostle Paul writes this. I used to think this was manipulation. And then I realized that that would make the apostle Paul a manipulator. And then I realized that would make the Bible manipulative. I realized, okay, maybe the problem's not with the Bible. The problem's with me. The problem's with my mindset. And so the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians about their giving. And he says in verse, chapter 9, 6, and 7, But this I say, he who sows, he's talking specifically about giving. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity because, because Pastor Mel and Paul have beaten us over the head with a Bible, but because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I want, I want you to help you understand why you'd be cheerful when you're giving because the, the spirit of this world says, no, that's terrible. You're losing your, your security and identity. So why would I be cheerful? Well, I'm cheerful, one, because the house of God's growing and more and more people are going to be transformed and it's part of my worship and love to God. But I'm cheerful when I understand that my giving's sowing. So if you've got a veggie garden and you go out to your veggie garden with some beans and you go, oh, feeling pretty holy today. Might go and plant some beans. And you walk out in your garden, you dig it up and you put your seeds in, you put your seeds in, you put your seeds in, you come back inside of the house and I go, oh, you planted some beans. Hey, what sort of beans are you expecting to grow? And you're like, oh no, I'm not expecting any beans to grow. It's, I, just need to, I just needed to sow them. That's, that's what I, I just needed to sow the beans because I'm a, I'm a gardener and that's what we do. We sow beans. I'm not expecting them to grow. What, wouldn't that, that would be a little uh, un, unhealthy, wouldn't it, to be expecting it to grow, the seed that I sowed? No one's ever going to think like that, are they? They're going to go, no, I, I'm sowing because I'm expecting there to be a return. I'm expecting those seeds to grow up. And so when Paul writes to the church and he says, when you give, it is seed. It's not like seed, it is seed. This is the principle of the universe that God set up, the principle of seed, time, and harvest. So when you bring an offering to God, it's actually seed, and that you, then this is what happens. That seed, after time, will reap a harvest if you've got faith in your life. And so that we, we learned this for the very first time in the very first significant offering we led at our church. And we're in that, this moment that you're going to have at the end of the service where, where we're like, okay, let's pray. God, what do you want me to give? I have found if you ever want a quick answer to a particular prayer, this is the one that goes straight through, straight to God. When you go, God, how much do you want me to give? He always seems to answer that one straight away. I don't know why that is. And so we're praying that, and I'm seeing, I, I saw a picture of our car keys being dropped into the offering bucket. I'm like, okay, that's got to be the devil. That cannot be God. I bind you, Satan. Get behind me. That's not how Satan works, as if he wants your money in the house of God. But that's not the devil. So, so I got this picture, and I got what I always tell people happens in a moment when God speaks to you about sowing seed and about giving. I got the ow and wow factor. Ow, that's going to hurt because we actually need that car, the 1988 blue Toyota Corolla Seeker. We need that car. 
Okay, that's the owl. Then the wow is, oh, the Holy Ghost's on this. I have a sense of excitement. There's a cheerfulness about this because if I sow it, who knows what God's going to do? That's why, you, that's why he says God loves a cheerful giver because there's an expectation that I'm not doing a religious duty, but I'm sowing in the spirit something. So we sowed that car, and then I, so for the next 12 months, I drove a 1973 uh, Toyota Corolla. That's like going back uh, 10 years in my car life. And we got around in this car, and the air conditioning was amazing. It worked like just had to do this. That's how the air conditioning worked, okay? And so, but as we were going around, there was this one day I was with a pastor at an airport and I saw like a prize car and it was a black four-wheel drive and something, something got inside of me and like, oh, he said, oh, that looks like your kind of car. And something got inside of me and I realized I needed, I'd sowed a seed, but I needed to start to get my faith going. And so as I got in the car, each time I'd like, I'd, well, I'd try really hard not to complain about the car. I'd go, Lord, we sowed that for a purpose and I'm really glad we did because we're sowing it for a purpose, into a vision. But at the same time, I have an expectancy that you're going to bless me. It would be, and this is, I began to pray, it would be great to get a new four-wheel drive. That's, I'd be, it would be so great. In fact, and I could see that whenever I prayed it, I'd see this black four-wheel drive. Well, 12 months after sowing the seed, because the time, if you sow beans, you'll get beans. You won't, don't go expecting tomatoes when you sow beans. So what you sow is what you'll re reap back. And so 12 months later, someone rang up and said, oh, look, I'm going to Europe for a few years. I've got this new Jeep Cherokee uh, car, four-wheel drive. Uh, it's black. Uh, I'm wondering, would you like to use it for the next few years? I'll pay for the tires, the rego, the insurance, and the maintenance. You just put fuel in it. And I said, let me pray about that. Yes. And it taught me the principle of the way the kingdom works and why God wants you to be a cheerful giver is because if you understand you're sowing seed, you understand God will multiply it way better back into your life. And that's, that has unlocked miracles for us in vehicles for years since that moment. I want us to understand this today is that your giving is seed. And the second thing I want us to understand here is our, because sometimes you're like, well, I've been giving for years. And it, does, it, doesn't, it might work for you, but it hasn't seemed to work for me. And I've met people like this. And, and when I meet people like this, my first question is, so I'm, they'll go, yep, I'm a tither, and I'm a good steward, and, and I've been sowing generously, and I'll go, awesome. So my next question is, so tell me, how much time a day do you spend in focused prayer over this particular, of your finances? And usually, I get the same look that I'm getting from all of you guys. A blank look. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't really pray about it. I just thought... And I'm like, well, here's the thing. Your seed needs to be watered with faith. Because you've sowed that seed, you don't forget about it. Weeds are going to grow up. Unbelief's going to grow up. You don't have to plant weeds. They'll just grow up. Doubts and unbelief will just grow in your mind. You've got to be consistently ripping those out and replacing them with the thoughts of the Word of God. But then you've got to water that. If that thing's going to grow, you've got to water it. And it's the same with your financial seed that you've sowed. You've got to water it with your faith. And this is what the Bible tells us, Galatians 6, 7, and 9. And again, in the context of giving in, in, in the Scripture, it says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. It's a principle of the universe. It's a principle that God's put in place. Verse 9 says this, So let's not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, but there's an if there, if we do not lose heart. And I've found that too many Christians lose heart because it seems like the seed, that that middle bit of time is not very convenient. Seed, 
time and harvest. And so in the time, we can get attacked with all of these thoughts. But I'm here to tell you today, C3 Watson, if you've sowed in the past, the seed's still in the ground. Some of your seed will reap a harvest in two, year, in two months, some in two years, some in 20 years. But if you've sown it, your faith can activate the seed that's already sown for the harvest to come back into your life. And I want to stir up faith. So that when God, uh, when God comes and speaks to you today and this month about stepping out again, about stretching out again, you're like, okay, I'm going to sow, but I'm also going to stir up my faith around this. And we've seen again, time and time again, God come through on moments. I'm going to finish with this story. Uh, again, in the early days of us giving, we had a, a season in our church of giving about, and I'll get the band to come up. We had a season in our church of giving $100 a week. Dan and I made this choice to basically give what our tithe was. And we kept doing it for a while. And then we, as good stewards, did our budget and realized that we were $500 a month short. We prayed about it, said, Lord, what do we need to do? Do we need to work more? Do we need to cut back our expenses? We, we're good stewards. At that point, I think Daniel had about three jobs and I was working a couple of jobs. And so we really felt like the Lord said, no, this is a faith issue. You need to stir up your faith. So we made a decision to, to pray 10 minutes per day and to declare God's promises over our finances so that the seed we'd sowed would be watered and we'd cultivate an, at an atmosphere of faith. And so this is what we prayed, Lord, we need 500 for our budget. We'd love 1,000 so we can go to the movies and go out for dinner and we can have some discretionary income. Because his member, his name is Jehovah Jireh. He wants you to call on his nature and name so that he can provide for you. Okay, and so we started just to remind him and, and, and do that. And what happened for six months, every month through some kind of unexpected way, we, we would get that $500 we needed. We had people that we didn't even know gave us a $500 check. But other people, it was a number of times we received $500 check. We didn't tell anybody. It was our personal faith project. We had people giving us money. We had flybys, points come in. That was just all these crazy things. And every month, $500. And then six months in, as we're praying pretty much every day, we had, we had a moment, our employer sat down with us, a little similar to what we saw earlier, and said, oh, you've been underpaid. Uh, we're going to give you a, a pay rise. Again, we hadn't talked about it, hadn't asked for it, because here's the thing. God's your source, not your employer, not your parents, not, not you know, waiting till Aunt Betty dies, not, none of that. God's your source. And so he has, a, he has unlimited ways of getting finance to you. And so in that moment, they said, oh, you've been underpaid. Actually, we need to give you a pay increase and it'll be not 500 a month, not 1,000 a month, but it'll be $2,000 a month from that moment. And it taught us this great lesson. Our giving is seed and our seed needs to be watered with faith, daily faith. And I know in this place today, if you close your eyes, I want to pray with you. Father, I pray for C3 Watson, for every person in this church who calls this church home. I pray for an impartation of faith right now. Father, the people will get revelation of how much you want to bless them, how much you want to provide for them, that you will unlock and open the windows of heaven over their life. Let faith stir up in this place, cheerful giving. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, even in this moment, for those who call this your home, their home, that you'll speak to people about what to give this month in Vision Builders. It will come clearly if it's to sacrifice, to go without something, if it's to sell something. Lord, if it's to put off purchasing something, but to put the house of God first, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you will speak with clarity, with conviction, and people will make courageous decisions that will unlock their destiny. 
Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.